and welcome to Questions You're Not Asking. My name is Tom French. I'm here with my co-host Chris Morphew. Hey everyone. And we are writing a book with responses to a bunch of absurd questions about God and the Bible that you're probably not asking and probably don't need an answer to. As we prepare to write the book, we're letting you in on our discussions this week. We are asking a question about historic prayer, and we have another guest for the fourth week in a row. It is the world-famous Dr. Natasha Moore from the Centre for Public Christianity. But before we get into it, Chris, how is your week? Pretty good. You know, I did something that I haven't done all season, and that was go back and listen to one of the podcast episodes, because I remember last week's episode being a really good one, and it did not disappoint. <laughs> I thought we were funny. I don't know if anyone else did, but I I enjoyed our commentary on the life of Samson. But I noticed two things about our podcast. Well, I was kind of reminded about two things. And the first one is that there's always a pause between when I say hello and then when you say the next thing. It's like this long pause. And I wondered, is that because of the delay on the Zoom call? (laughs) Or is that just something that I, for some reason, am aware of? And it's a much smaller thing than I think it is. I think it's partly to do with the delay on the Zoom call and lining up our recordings right. And also, I could fix it, but I can't be bothered. So I'm just like, oh, well, I'll just leave it there. Today, I tried to get in really quick with my hello, but then I realized it doesn't do anything because if the delay is at my end, then the pause is still the same, no matter how quick I am on the uptake. So never mind. The other thing that I noticed is, well, this one's a question, and it's which Mario Kart track is our theme music? I'm actually not a Mario Kart person. Well, if you were, you might have the same reaction that I do every time I listen to our podcast, which is like, <laughs> sounds like Mario Kart, <laughs> which is great. If we are trying to project a Mario Kart vibe, I think that's a good thing for us to be doing. I think let's just continue in that direction. But anyway, that's what I've been spending my time thinking about this week. How about you, Tom? What have you been up to? Well, I got I got an earthquake. That's what I got this week. Oh, uh, yeah. How was that? That was intense. I was standing in the kitchen making some dinner. It was a slow cook, so it was early in the morning, but I was getting the slow cook ready. And then Em was sitting over at the table with Layla, and Layla was just falling asleep. And then the building started shaking. We're on the fourth floor of our apartment building, and Em was like, what's that? And I looked around, and then I could see everything was shaking, and there was like this deep rumbling going on. I was like... I don't know. And then it occurred to me, I'm like, I think this is an earthquake. And then it kind of got more intense. It kind of stepped up. I was like, we need to get to the bathroom. So then we both ran to the bathroom. Em brought Layla as well, didn't leave her behind. And uh, we hung out in the bathroom. Because the thing that went through my head was like, oh, we need to get in the bathtub. But then I was like, oh, we don't have a bathtub. I don't know if you're meant to get in the bathtub, but that's what went through my mind. I thought you were meant to get in the doorway. Well, yeah, that's the thing that other people reminded me of. But then it turns out you should only get in a load-bearing doorway, and the best thing to do is get under a table. And Em was sitting at the table, but I made her run away from the table and hang out in the bathroom with me. So I'm not the man who saved my family from the earthquake. I just put us in a more precarious situation. But you all survived the earthquake. Like, you, you, <laughs> you were present for your whole family's survival of that earthquake that's true 
And I know that correlation does not equal causation. However, you've at least got <laughs> correlation, and that's a start. So, anyway, we survived the earthquake. The, the most damage we had was a picture frame was a, a bit off kilter, and another, oh. another picture frame uh, fell over and knocked some, a few things off some shelves, and some cupboards came open, and one of M's old handbags fell off a shelf in a cupboard. So, it's been quite a clean-up here this week. Wow. Now that you've had a bit of time to kind of reflect on it in your brain, how... How intense was it? Like, how big of an earthquake was it? I mean, I guess it's probably your first earthquake, so how do you, no, how do you tell? My second earthquake, actually. Really? Yeah, I, I haven't even had one. <laughs> when I was in Guatemala, they had... Maybe not an earthquake, it was maybe just a tremor, but everything kind of shook. But I was ready for it in Guatemala, so I was like, oh, yeah, I know what that is, and this, this is pretty interesting, but because in Melbourne, you have no expectation that there's going to be an earthquake, it was... Yeah, it was not... It wasn't intense... Like, there was a lot of shaking, but it didn't feel like everything was going to collapse. But it was intense in that I was like, I don't know if this is going to get worse or if this is going to stay the same. And Mm. also the intense thing about it was like, for the whole of this pandemic, home has been like the safe place. And now it's like, oh, it doesn't feel so safe right now because the the earth could shake and Uh. our home could collapse. On the other hand, my engineer brother-in-law told us that actually... Our apartment building is probably one of the safest places to be in a earthquake because it'd be rated for like an eight on the Richter scale earthquake, and this was only like a five point eight, which is very low compared to an eight. So we were pretty safe. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Well, do we want to talk about the things that we need to talk about, or do we <laughs> want to save that for the end? Yeah, no, we should save it for the end. We should be like, we've got a really big announcement coming up. At the end. Great. Make sure you stay tuned all the way to the end. (laughs) But don't skip to the end. It's not so exciting you should skip to the end and ignore the body of the podcast. It is exactly the level of excitement where you should avidly listen through the whole podcast in order. Yes. And what we should say about this one, though, before you listen to this episode, is that when we recorded it, our lockdown levels were different to what they are now. So I think... Either some of us were back in in-person church, or maybe all of us, but now none of us are at in-person church again. So keep that in mind as you listen, because no one is out there breaking lockdown rules in our churches. It's just, this was recorded in an earlier, freer time. Gladys reckons two or three more weeks and we'll be back in church, all socially distanced with masks on and registration and hand washing and no singing. It's going to be great. Anyway, what's our question for today, Tom? Our question for today is, when you encounter a pre-recorded prayer, is it etiquette to pray along, or is it just a piece of history? And we have a special guest with us today, our first ever return guest on questions you're not asking. Chris, who is it? Oh, I thought you were saying it was me. And I was like, if no. I'm the first ever return guest, I've been on all of them. No, I thought I did the question, so you should you get to do the introduction. Oh, right. Our return guest is Dr. Natasha Moore, author of The Pleasures of Pessimism and Other Things, person from the Center for Public Christianity with an impressive sounding title that I've currently not got on hand. <laughs> Director of time travel. We wish. Hello. 
How's that? <laughs> How's that for an intro? Hello. What's your official title again? Currently research fellow. It may be under discussion though, because I, I did a radio interview at the end of last year. This is not why, but I did do this radio interview with the station in Adelaide where they asked me at length about what research fellow means. And I realized that I could not tell them. And so <laughs> I was like, maybe we should think about it's like, our titles. Isn't a research fellow just a the work fellow do. who you know. does research? In which case, kind of a sexist title. But Well, I mean, fellow doesn't really mean fellow, mm. but explaining that. And is... research lady doesn't really seem like a step up in terms of, you yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not down with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I do research, sort of, but most of what I do isn't mm. like exactly research. So, yeah. But I like it as a title. It sounds academic. Can I ask you, if you were going to aim for any title in your renegotiations, what would you shoot for? Well, that's part of the problem is that I'm like, well, what do I want to be called? And one of my colleagues and I have been discussing, like, kind of pairing back to basics and going with writer and speaker, because that's essentially what I do. I write and I speak. And I like the simplicity of that. I like it more than some of the other things that we talked about. There's a whole suite of quite wanky terms like cultural commentator and thought leader is like the pinnacle one. Thought leader, like, yes. No, no, I will never use that term ever in any context. What about like executive thought leader? You're right. I was not at the pinnacle there with thought leader. <laughs> it, there is something further up the mountain and that would be executive thought leader. <laughs> okay, well, next time... <laughs> I wait. Can edit Tom? Just edit it. I'll go. Just go back, and we can add executive thought leader, Doctor Natasha Moore, and we don't need. To. <laughs> All right. If if that's what you heard at the beginning of the podcast, then you know that I've gone back and edited it. Did you actually say my name the first time? Did I miss it, or only the thing? Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> I, I did. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just check. We didn't just go into all of that without me actually you were like saying person your from- name. But- Instead of a public oh, yeah, yeah. No, look, it, it, it totally trailed off, but I got your name okay, cool. in before the Peter out. I'm definitely listening. Great. Yep. All right. So this, this question, can I give you the background of this question Please. before we mm-hmm. start discussing it? What happened was I was in a training for coaching. I'm learning how to be a coach. So if anyone wants coaching on youth ministry, one day I'll be qualified to give it to you. But I'm not yet qualified. But anyway, we're watching this coaching and we're watching a a session of coaching from the Christian Coaching Institute of Australia and it was pre-recorded and they started praying and I was watching on Zoom and then I started praying with them too. And then I realized, I was like, this is a pre-recorded thing. I don't know if I have to pray. And I was like, maybe I've got like a spare minute and a half to do whatever I want or maybe I need to keep praying. And, And then that kind of opened up for me a very, very small uh, spiritual crisis as I considered all the pre-recorded prayers that I encounter in my life. Like every time I listen to a podcast with a preacher and they pray before they preach or they pray at the end of the preach or when you watch church online and it's not live and then they pray, are those prayers that are done and they're just historic artifacts and I go, oh, that was interesting? Or do I pray with them and God's going to work and get get stuff done. It's especially pointing as like a COVID-era question, right? I have some follow-up questions about your specific scenario. 
Can I just interrupt for one moment to say that I'm still back on the coaching thing and <laughs> oh, yeah. I want your TV show to be called Friday Night Rights and it's all about you coaching people about how to do youth group and the ceremonies involved. Friday Night Rights. Thank you. All right. Try to remember what's the catchphrase? The hearts, eyes. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. You could adapt that. Yep. If I was a funnier man, I would have come up with a version of that as well. <laughs> if I had a working memory, I would, <laughs> I would if, have known if, what it if was. If we come up with something throughout the uh, podcast, we'll just say it. I'll edit it back in. Great. Okay. Okay, can I ask my questions? Yeah, yeah please. Yeah. Were you alone when you were watching this video or were you watching it with other people? I was alone in my office, but I was on Zoom with other people and all together on Zoom, we were watching a pre-recorded wow. video. There's a lot of layers to that. A lot of layers. And also, when you said, I started praying along, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that you bowed your head and did not do other things yeah, and focused? I, and when you stopped praying, what did you do? Yeah. I bowed, I bowed my head. I closed my eyes. I was, I was in the, the mm, kind of stance. And then when I realized what was going on, I think I just started looking around my room my office for things that I could do with my spare time. But I, I think the prayer finished before I could like start a new project. Do your laundry. Yeah. If you wanted to edify the person who was praying on the thing, you could have recorded your, mm, mm, and then done like a dark side of the moon thing where you like sync it up. And then he could have prayed back his prayer with your affirmations. She, Thank you very much. Oh, sorry. Oh. Her prayer with her affirmations. I apologize. So hang on. Were you on video at this point on Zoom? Could people see you not praying? No, I'd, I'd turned my video off. Oh, okay. Because it was a long 20-minute coaching session. And the, the person who was teaching us about coaching, she was also the person who was doing the coaching in the pre-recorded video. Oh, so the so, pre-recorded person was also there. Yeah. It had been like filmed at like a conference-y thing. A year or two before it was definitely pre-covid there were a lot of people in a room close to each other appropriately like just sitting normally because it was already gone it wasn't like i felt like my prayer could affect the outcome at all because she was now in the zoom call with us and the person who she was praying for the stuff that he was working through i'm pretty sure it had all happened so she wasn't praying that like the session would go well no she prayed for the guy who she had been coaching it's like the end of the coaching thing oh, she prayed for him yeah yeah because i think there's a few a few different options of prayers that you can either pray along with prayers that are you know the outcome and then there's prayers where you don't know the outcome but you know that stuff has hasn't happened and then there's or that has happened but you just don't know what the answer is so this guy i don't actually know what happened to him but i'm sure it was all done and dusted and then there are the prayers where it's like these are kind of ongoing prayers like it, like if a preacher prays, open our hearts so that we, we might receive your word, and you hear that before you listen to a sermon, that seems to me like you can pray along with that. But then the others, don't know. Well, so, well, first I was thinking about how you could go an even like deeper level with this question, and that person who is sitting in the room listening to their pre-recorded prayers, is it prayer etiquette for them to pray along with themselves? and then do it in stereo. I feel like there are some more basic questions for us to figure out. But then I was thinking about how, like, if you're praying with someone over Zoom, there's always a delay 
So you're not praying like perfectly in sync, but I guess you technically never are because it always takes some amount of time for the sound waves to travel from the speaker to the hearer. And so if the rule is it has to be completely synchronized in order for it to be a valid prayer, then we never do. Yeah. So if God is the probably the only fully synchronized being, like everything is instantaneous with God, whereas everything is on some kind of delay with us. So does it does it make any difference to him if if there's like a like a nanosecond delay because of the movement of sound and light compared to a ten year delay? Is God like yeah, I don't really notice it because I'm eternal? So I not infrequently forget to pray for something that I meant to pray for for a friend, and then I'll be like, oh, that was happening this morning or yesterday, but I don't know how it went yet. And so I can still pray for it. And God, who is eternal, can take into consideration those prayers in advance, even though it's afterwards, correct? I Yeah, I feel like you've raised this at some point before, Tom, like back I in think season we have one at some point, like time mm. travel prayers or whatever. And your take was the same, right? I think you used the example of like praying for a test result when the envelope's in your hand, but you haven't opened it yet. Mm-hmm. I did. Like Schrodinger's prayers mm. or whatever? Because your knowledge changes the prayer. You can't pray anymore, but it would be something else. Now you know what it is. Your prayer will be that it isn't what it is. You seem to have a very, like the same line as Tom, that like it's only for stuff that you don't already know the outcome. Mm. Why are you saying that is? Because that you know the outcome actually substantially changes the prayer. You're asking for something different. You're asking for God to like undo and make it something other than what you already know it is. Whereas I feel like if you don't yet know, then your prayer is sincere. Like you can be like, I pray that this is what happened. And God, who is eternal and fully synchronized, can take that prayer from later and use it earlier, right? Okay, but what if God does answer prayers to undo stuff in the past, but we just don't know he does because every time he answers it, it rewrites the past and we don't have to pray it anymore? Mm, I don't believe in time travel, sorry. Which is essentially <laughs> what that is, right? Do you disagree with Tom and my take? I guess I've never thought through that particular line. Yeah, I think I do. I think I just haven't expressed it in those terms because I think I've always kind of assumed that I can pray about stuff whenever whether it's chronologically before or after what happens because it's not like God didn't know about my prayers until I prayed them in the timeline of history that I'm in like you know Ooh. like in real real time or whatever you want to call it God invites us even though he is transcendent and isn't bound by space and time in the way that we are that's how he's made us to live and so the invitation to pray is not an invitation to be like can we have a do-over or can you undo that because i didn't like mm. it it's always to move forward not to go back and undo stuff but when you expressed it as like you can only pray time travel prayers if you don't know what happened well it becomes a time travel prayer once you already know what happened. Yeah. That's the decisive difference, your knowledge. Mm. All right. So what does that say about praying along with a podcast or whatever? It depends on the content of the prayer. Well, I feel like there are separate questions here because 
there's the question of what's like theologically reasonable. So the stuff we've been talking about. Then there's what I think is like good etiquette. And then there's what I actually do, (laughs) which is not necessarily Mm -hmm. either of those things. It's the etiquette question, I think, that that was interesting me in this one. Because we have time travel prayer, very interesting, but we've already dealt with some of it. This is time for this to become an etiquette (laughs) podcast. I mean, is etiquette a purely social thing? So if no one else is present, if it's only you in your car with your podcast or you are sitting at your desk and other people aren't on Zoom with you, does etiquette apply? Well, Jesus is present. It's like the question of, is the etiquette bad to pray and read your Bible on the toilet? You wouldn't do it with any other friend. (laughs) Well, no other friend is invisible and omnipresent. So I feel like that's not fair. (laughs) Measure. (laughs) Yeah, God's with us on the toilet whether we're reading or not. So is it that you don't want to offend? So like the in the prayer, there's at least the person praying, there's the Holy Spirit, and then there's you. Mm -hmm. So even though the person Mm -hmm. praying isn't there because it was pre-recorded, it's the Holy Spirit that you don't want to transgress social etiquette for. In that that particular instance, it would have just been the Holy Spirit, I think, who might have been hurt. Mm. Okay, so what about this? (laughs) Matthew 18, 19 and 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name... There am I with them. What if I pray, record it, and then I email my prayer to you guys and you listen independently and you pray along? Mm. Are two or three gathered? I kind of want to say yes. (laughs) But I mean, and this is why I feel like it's a real COVID era question. What does it mean to be the gathered people of God if you're meeting as a church on Zoom? What are you doing and what are you not doing? What has to be embodied? Well, I feel like if I call one of you on the phone and pray for you, I feel like we're gathered. And like if we're on a Zoom call, we're gathered. But what if I'm watching the live stream after it's finished? Like what if it's recorded on Sunday morning and I watch the the replay on Sunday night? Mm. I think in theory it shouldn't make a difference, but in practice it becomes very difficult. I mean, my church didn't do this for very long. Like we went back to medium person the very first week it was legal and we haven't stopped since. So we only had a few months of online and we did a, quite a bit of Zooming as part of that. It wasn't all pre-record. But like the pre-record stuff I find, and even just online in general, I find it very hard to concentrate and very hard to actually feel like I'm participating. I feel quite disconnected Mm. from it, as I think a lot of people do. So it may be fine theologically and encouraged etiquette-wise, but that's what I mean by like, I'm not sure I do it. I don't connect in the same way. It doesn't feel the same. Maybe I should just try harder. I don't know. No, I think that's like we're embodied creatures. Many times when God gives his people a way to remember something or to mark something, it's always like an enacted social thing, you know, from like 
the festivals and the sacrificial system all the way through to like the Lord's Supper. Like it is, it, they're these physical acts that you do in the presence of other people. And even like, you know, the instruction not to give up meeting together, we can do that digitally. And I think we've learned all kinds of ways we can do it digitally in the last 12 months, but nothing beats real. We got to sing at the, like, as of the time we're recording this podcast, last week was the first time that we got to sing corporately in church again. And it was the best. It, it, and, it you know, wasn't quite it, the best because we had masks on and... Like it was the second back, best. <laughs> it was better than gathering with four people in a home and awkwardly singing <laughs> on the couch while you watch the live stream. It was definitely better than that. Anyway, I feel like I've dragged this away from the question, which was an etiquette question. I just I I think I skimmed over the word etiquette when you sent me the question, Tom, because we're not usually an etiquette <laughs> podcast. Some would argue we're the opposite of an etiquette podcast. Maybe it's time to pivot. Yeah. Maybe that's what mm. the people need. I think I am known as someone who is very high on etiquette. <laughs> oh, I didn't want to disparage your personal <laughs> yeah. contributions Emily to the world Post of etiquette. Of the <laughs> Australian yeah. Christian world. Yeah. I will I think my like my coaching was actually so I can coach people on Christian etiquette yeah. and what's right and wrong within all social situations. But I, my feelings about like online church is I think similar to yours in that it's like when you're all together, it's like you're at 100% participation. When you're online live, it's like 75%. I don't sing along, even though it's like sing along. And then I don't, (laughs) sometimes I'll like hum along or kind of, if I'm in the kitchen doing other stuff while church is on, because I'm not 100% (laughs) engaging, I might somewhat ironically sing along, but I'm definitely not engaging as much. And then when it's like I'm catching up on church because it's happened, I just am like, this just feels like a piece of history. And so I'm watching mm. it. So I've got something I can talk to people from church about and say, oh, this is what we did at church. Like, yeah, yeah, I saw the sermon. But it doesn't feel like I'm participating at all. It just feels like I am, I'm watching it. But, but if, if our prayers can work retroactively, then our participation can work retroactively. It doesn't make any difference to the people in, say, if you're watching something online and there's also people in the room, which some people are doing, it doesn't make a difference to them whether the person who is watching online is, and the people in the room, you're not interacting with each other, but it's good that you're still doing it at the same time and doing it together to some degree. And so then if it's pre-recorded and then you're still there, maybe you are still engaging with it. Maybe they're like a the, the cloud of witnesses, but they can't witness it yet. So, I mean, here's a slightly different question. Do you ever mentally edit prayers as you're participating in them? Like someone's like praying someone up the prayers? front and you're like, you know a bit more about that person or that situation, so you're adding prayers in your head or you're like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that politically. I'm going to pray this slightly different thing or more kind of, I mean, Mm. I'm Anglican obviously, so I don't do the yes, hallelujah out loud, but like I might in my head. Are you doing that when you're in church and praying, not aloud, but someone else is praying not aloud? Oh, I am. Yeah, like I'll listen. I'll be like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh -uh, uh -uh, (laughs) mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-uh. And so at the end it's like, God, uh, amen to 80% of that. <laughs> yeah. And then. So then 
can we not, if we're listening to a historical prayer, however historical that is, from the weekend or from five years ago when someone gave this sermon or whatever it is, can you not be like, well, look, I'm listening to this thing. That's the thing I'm doing with this time. The person is currently addressing God in prayer. Prayer is a good thing. How about I do that too? And maybe the thing won't exactly apply, but I can, you know, reapply it for whatever works Mm. at this moment. Well, I feel like the time I most often come across this is when I'm listening to a sermon podcast. And because the prayer at the beginning is usually, well, it's funny because the bit that's like praying for God to help me hear and respond to what he wants to teach me through this teaching. Like, I feel like that's a good one to pray. Um, And that's still applicable. The one where, like, if I'm listening to Tom's preaching podcast and he prays at the beginning that he would do a good job, you know, that God would be speaking through him and that he would say the right words and whatever. It's like, well, it's already recorded, but I still find myself praying along. And maybe that's in your category of because I haven't heard it yet. But if I listen to it the second time, <laughs> but even then, then, do I not pray? Is it because the what he actually said has been recorded, but how that is heard by you is yet to be that's determined. True. So, yeah, that's true. Like you want spirit activity at that point. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And so it's it's almost like like child behavior psychologists and stuff talk about the idea of like parallel play so is that like parallel pray you know like we're not actually praying together but we are praying side by side sorry what's parallel play we ain't all child psychologists around here (laughs) yeah sorry yeah i realized i cut myself off in the middle of explaining it and then went on to apply it without telling you what it was so parallel play is kids playing next to each other but they're not actually interacting. They're just playing side by side because they haven't developed the skills to do like a shared activity yet or to play a game together, but they'll sit next to each other and play with their toys. And it's like the first step towards social play is like being with someone. And so I guess my question is like when we're praying corporately live in church, there there is a sense that we're all praying separately. You know, each of us opts into the praying or not, but I guess it is all like a shared activity. You know, like we are all praying in theory, the same thing or 80% of the same thing. And so when it comes to the the podcast, well, Tom was praying and then later I was praying. Are we praying together or are we praying separately? I kind of like that as parallel pray. It's not as good as in the room, but as a substitute, it's, you know, still pretty good. And now I have a new question, which is like, what counts as praying? Not to go (laughs) too deep on this, but often if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm not the best listener. It's not like my top mode of absorbing material. I'm more of a reader. So I listen to podcasts and stuff, but I'm kind of in and out. And so particularly maybe the prayer at the start, if it's been an excellent sermon or whatever, and they pray at the end, I'm probably much more on board. I'm in the zone, but like at the start, I'm like, okay, you're saying something and I'm listening, but I'm not particularly addressing my spirit to God. But if I hear that and I say amen, like what level of attention in the direction of God 
has to have been in play for that to count as prayer as opposed to listening to someone else pray. Well, I feel like we run into that at church too, surely. I mean, yeah, like I doubt I'm the only one who like accidentally thinks about, you know, like church is wrapping up, we're praying and I, my mind drifts away from the actual business of praying to like what I have to pick up from the supermarket on the way home. I mean, I'm glad God is kind and gracious and understanding about how bad we are at all of this but like i guess you're praying for the parts that you're attending to it and you're not praying for the parts that you're not because hmm. if you visualized it as kind of you know everyone prays during the service along with whoever's praying up the front at whatever points and you think of what they've prayed as like an artifact that they leave behind them when they go that god kind of collects up and you know that's kind of the the congregation's prayers, how much difference does it make that some of us were very distracted or very tired and not really concentrating and, like, what does he end up with? Yeah. I think I just come back to God's heaps kind, and it's good that God's heaps kind. <laughs> I mean, there's a danger here that we could, like, move into making it heaps transactional, and it's like, mm. if everyone had had 95% focus instead of 90, I would have done it. Yeah. this... Dude in the fourth row was thinking about his groceries, so mm. no deal on the money for the orphanage. <laughs> like, Did you think about that old, is it a, like Puritan thing where they say pray until you pray? Um, oh, that's... That, like so like much that. of prayer is a bit just me being scatty and mm. actual, what we might call real prayer is a lot. Yeah. Well, more and more lately, I've been mm. thinking about the idea of like practicing the presence of God, you know, like mm. actually keeping God in front of my mind and that being a more useful form of prayer than whatever kind of scatterbrained praying, mm. like that, like what I would ordinarily think of as praying. But just like if the aim is to be with Jesus, then I guess that can look like all kinds of things like in the same way that being with a person can look like all kinds of things. On the etiquette front, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say I listen to an episode of your preaching podcast. Which of these text messages would be more pleasing to you on an etiquette level? Number one, hey, Tom, just finished listening to your podcast, prayed along with you at the end there. Or second one, Hey, Tom, just finished listening to your podcast, did not pray because I was too late. Yeah, for, on an etiquette level, I think you'd, you'd have to go the first one. On an honesty level, I'd really enjoy the second one. I feel like if I was going to go full, what is the the adjective form of etiquette? I don't think there is it, one. Etiquette-ish? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm Etiquette in... related? <laughs> yeah. The most, but the like the most... I want to say ethical, but that's not right. Polite? Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> I, like when, when we talk et etiquette, I picture myself not sending you a text, but one of those embossed cards with flowers around the mm. sides, or at least an e-card. Why don't I ever get them from you? I'm just not that ethical. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say, I actually, this is probably bad etiquette, but when I listen to sermon podcasts, I'm the opposite of you, Tash. I listen to the beginning with the the prayer at the beginning, I'm kind of tuned in. When they when they do the Bible reading and they say, this is the word of the Lord, I say, thanks be to God, locked in. But when we get to the end of the sermon, when they start praying, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. 
Whoa. I like I'll probably stop listening. I'm like I've got what I needed, and then I'll I'll move on, wow. which is probably not ideal. But um, <laughs> yeah, I because find that I have can't you got what do you that. needed. Don't you now now need the power of the spirit to like enable you to live in the way that the sermon has equipped you to? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not I'm not saying it's correct. I'm just saying it's what I do. Mm. <laughs> that to me, not that I've never done it, but it feels like the digital version of getting up and walking out during the <laughs> prayer at the end of the sermon. Like, I done. actually can't yeah. really turn it. I mean, sometimes I don't get around to finishing podcasts, but like I don't turn off. Like I was listening to one the other day and at the end it has all the stuff about the producers and mm. this support and blah. And the person, it was the very last episode and she was like, Obviously, no one is listening at this point because nobody listens to the end matter. And I was like, I always listen to it. I like, I can't not complete the podcast. Really? I can't. Do you at least hit the forward 30 seconds a couple of times no. to yeah, turn through it? No, I do the same with books. Like I have to read the whole thing. I try to follow the 100 page rule where you like read 100 pages minus your age. And if it's crap, you don't commit. But actually... More realistically, I have to read all of it, and that includes, like, the acknowledgements. Really? What about footnotes? Yes. Unless they're just, you know, from this book, this page. Mm. I don't read those. Do you listen to things in, like, 1.5 speed? Or is not that deliberately. Not that has happened to me accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, gosh, these people are energetic today. <laughs> But no, I've never. Okay. Can I ask a, a question now? We're like, th- as three authors, if someone listens to your audiobook at 1.5 speed, is that offensive to you? This is if I hypothetically had an audiobook, right? Because some of us are yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not offensive. <laughs> like, people, you do you, like, you know, how much time you have and what you can manage. But like, I would feel as though you haven't experienced it as it was meant to be experienced. Yeah. Mm. How would you feel if they skimmed your book? Did they buy it already? (laughs) No, just kidding. Unless it's some like pretty dry nonfiction that I'm just reading for information. Sometimes I'll, I'll speed it up, but like a novel or a anything that feels like it's got the author in it. I want to, hear it i'm pretty finicky about audiobooks if it's not the author reading it i'm usually out i'll usually just read it because i like that's non-fiction like fiction whatever just find a good actor but but non-fiction it's someone pretending to be you Mm. so i actually don't listen to audiobooks i have maybe done that twice ever Partly because of my completionist tendencies, I feel like if I'm listening to something, I'm in and out. And so I don't know, like, have I, have I read the book? Like, I definitely missed some parts and it doesn't stop and wait for me the way when I'm reading and I get distracted. It waits for me and I can go back and read the paragraph. And to return sort of to the question, I feel as though listening to a sermon is sort of bonus. So if I don't get it all and if I don't pray <laughs> it all, I've still got something extra you're still more spiritual than all those (laughs) lightweights who just listen to the sermon at the church that they go to (laughs) i got more than you know not listening yeah okay hopefully so so if preachers then sent you the the manuscript of their sermon we and then you read it that that would be like your best engagement with the sermon 
Well, it would, but that wouldn't be an ideal sermon, would it? Because things should be the form that they are. So an audiobook is not the form that it was intended to be, right? Like it's fine. I support people, yeah. you know, consuming stuff in the form that works for them. But if a sermon works better as an essay, then it probably should have been an essay, right? Not a sermon. That's interesting because yeah. I write the way I speak. Yeah. So you to, write conversationally. So that's... Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like those, the little books that I have coming out in May, I tested them out by like reading them to some of my classes and they kept getting confused when I would stop reading to give them an aside because they were like, oh, we thought you were still reading. <laughs> so apparently it's that conversational that it is indistinguishable from me addressing them personally. Oh, wow. So. I think I'm almost the opposite that I, to some extent, speak how I write, <laughs> which is probably not that helpful. What do you mean? It's, uh, it's smarter. I mean, it's I speak more essayishly than some. So you like stop and like think through the sentence that you want to say and then say it. Oh, no, than... I speak from a script. I always speak from a script. <laughs> oh, you're make preaching. It... So I'm not talking about right now. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant in conversation. I was like, you sound heaps normal. <laughs> I anticipated I everything that you guys whole, might whole say thing. and wrote down. <laughs> You'd hope I'd be a little more quick off the mark if that were the case. <laughs> but no, you know, talk of some kind. Yeah. I'm scripted. I try to make it sound like I'm not that scripted, but it's good. Yeah. Definitely, I find that like the people who speak more essay-like when they are doing public speaking, they're the people who I want to go back and listen to what they said again or have the 30-second back button that I can go back and go, what was that? What was that they said? But then the people who preach the way they talk, I'm like, eh, if you missed some bit, that's, that's all right because it's more like listening to a conversation. Yeah, we have more redundancy in the way that we just talk casually. Yeah, mm. we're definitely not on the subject of our question. No, did we do the topic? Have we... we sort of are. <laughs> okay, so what's the answer then? Is it that prayer is always good? Prayer is always good. And maybe that it's good to take the time to engage with prayer when there is space. Like how often in your life do you have time where you don't have to carve out prayer time or you're not like, oh, I really should pray or... There's a moment where you feel compelled to pray, either because you're really thankful or because you're kind of stressed. But how often is there a space where it's like, here is some space to pray. And this prayer is a old prayer. It might not apply now, but just take the time to pray. Here's a, here's a free prayer spot. Take mm. it. I obviously don't do that because I skip it. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, like, what is the Book of Common Prayer, if not historical prayers that you... Pray live. Yeah. Or the Psalms, maybe. Do Anglicans have the Psalms as well? I or mean, just the Book of Common the Prayer? the Bible. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what you, Tom, are you? Yeah, I'm, I, I work for um, four Anglican churches at once. So I'm a four times Anglican. <laughs> okay. Wow. You're more Anglican than I am. That point about like just taking the time to pray just because it's been given to you except when we've been being facetious i don't think any of us have really been talking in terms of the efficacy of prayers that if you pray them too late or too early or slightly wrong then they don't work because i think we would probably all agree that the main function of prayer is not to make god 
do stuff for us. And so in the same way that we don't sit down and pass out what counts as a conversation with our friends or like, you know, because the content was wrong, like texting is still communication with your friend and listening to their voicemail if you still have that and then replying to it or, you know, emails or like we do time delayed communication all the time. But I think that just the fact of conversation is good, even when it's not about anything much or even when it is not to any great purpose. And I feel like the fact of prayer is always good. Even if you are just praying along with something that somebody else said 10 years ago, you're still connecting with God, even if the content isn't a specific way or like specifically relevant or whatever. Like, I think there's still value in the effort and in the, like what you said, Tom, in carving out the time, even if everything else is quote unquote wrong. And you kind of like reap what you sow, right? So the same way that if you take notes during a sermon, you will retain more of it. If you are listening to a sermon, if you're going to invest in prayer as you're doing that, rather than be like, hmm, this prayer is from back then. I am not participating. Presumably you get more out of it if you're like, okay, I'm leaning in here. And so much of prayer is about like what it does. Not that it's all about us, but like God doesn't need our prayers, but we need our prayers. And so the more of them that we're praying, surely the better. God wants our prayers. Yeah. Done. (laughs) (laughs) Tick. Sorry, it sounded like you were about to do a a professional podcast wrap-up, Tom, and then I interrupted you. you No, I was just going to say that, like, surprisingly, I feel like I've been a a little bit rebuked so so I can be a bit better behaved in my historic sermon listening. Me too. And take that that time to pray. Yeah, Tess, you're going to pray at the beginning. I'll pray. Okay, (laughs) deal. (laughs) And Chris will just be texting me or sending me. I'll tell you when the new podcast episodes come out, I'll text you and let you know whether I prayed or not. He could live tweet his responses. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're at the end then, I guess, which means that we have to do our wrap up stuff. And normally we post record that because we don't know when we're releasing this sometime in the next few months, it will come out, but Tash, you won't be back. So, well, I mean, you might be back, but you won't be back for that little bit because that would be silly. (laughs) You're never coming on this podcast again. (laughs) I thought you did fine, Tash. Twice is the limit. Thanks. I'm I'm honored Um, and shocked that I'm the first repeat guest, so it was a lot of pressure. First fired guest. (laughs) If people want to find your stuff, your... Your books, but not your audio books, or your writing, your speaking, where do they go? Well, you can find all my stuff really at the Center for Public Christianity website, publicchristianity.org. We have a podcast called Life and Faith, which you can find on your podcast app. My latest book is The Pleasures of Pessimism. You can Google book. it or Amazon or whatever. Yeah, thanks for your review. No, no worries. <laughs> That's me. Great. That was our episode with Dr. Natasha Moore. And we would normally do the bit that we normally do at the end, but we have a big announcement to make. Very big. Huge. If you've skipped straight to the end to hear the announcement, please go back and listen to the rest of the show and and you'll get it. Don't worry. Anyway, (laughs) what's our big announcement, Tom? I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, everyone's going to be really excited about this. You haven't overhyped it, have you? 
I have definitely not overhyped it. This is something that everyone will be really, really excited about. And that is that this is the last show in this part of the season. We're going to go on a mid-season break. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, Tom. yeah. It's exciting for me because I get a little bit of time <laughs> off. to edit an episode next week. <laughs> The the thing that is, that's going on is that I have an assessment that's due in next Monday and we haven't recorded any more episodes, so we've got to go and do that before we can finish the season. So we're going to take a few weeks Turns off. Turns out you can't release episodes before you record them. Yeah, so we're going to take probably about three weeks off to record some new episodes, then we'll stick them up here and we'll finish the season We've got a few more questions to ask that people have sent in. If you want to send in a question, you might even still be able to get it into the season. You just email us questions at questionsyourenotasking.com or go to our website, questionsyourenotasking.com. That's the your, Y-O-U-R-E. And then you'll be able to do it there and you might be able to get your question into the end of the season. That was our big announcement. That was even more exciting than the midterm break was the prospect of getting my question on this show imagine that (laughs) dreams do come true anyway tom if they want to find out more about you what should they do they should go to tomfrench.com.au and as i've been plugging for a few weeks now go to tomfrench.com.au forward slash disciples where you can pre-order my new book a dozen disappointing disciples and if you want you can download for yourself the introduction and a free sample chapter so you can see if it's any good you can have a read and then you can order it it's coming out on the 26th of october so you don't have much time to pre-order it or you can find me on the socials tw french i can confirm that your book is any good it's very any good i've been rereading it again and it still holds up so ah, great there you go. good book you should go buy it yeah where can people find more from you chrismorphew.com or search for Chris Morphew on YouTube or find me on social media if you want. What did I post on social media this week? I think it was me starting to make a Christmas cake. So I finally become yeah, one I of those. Oh, this is what I should have said at the top of the episode when you said, what have you been doing <laughs> this week? I have been investing in way too much dried fruit because you know those Christmas cake people who like every September they they Instagram document the fact that they're starting this elaborate Christmas cake process that takes three months. I don't, I don't know if you follow any of those kind of people. I not anyone like that on Instagram. Well, you do now, <laughs> so you're welcome. Look for that. Reminds me, I've got to go stir my my fruit soak. So <laughs> we better wrap it up there, guys. I just remembered I have an urgent job that needs doing. So have a. Have a great holiday, everybody. A great end of term break. Go back and re-listen to all of it. Get our stats up. Leave us a, a review on the iTunes store. We haven't said that in ages. Oh, yeah. Yeah, do that. That really helps our podcast is what I hear on all the other podcasts. Yeah. So it must be true. Yeah, we want to we get up there in the charts. Anyway, i got to go stir some wet fruit. So I'll see you later, Tom. See you, Chris. Bye.